Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Kieran Rogers. And I'm Daniel Rolls. And today, Daniel, we are going to be talking, well, as you'd expect, it's the new year. And we thought we'd talk about some New Year's digital resolutions. And it's not what you think it will be. I can assure you of that. But before we do, Daniel, we've got some exciting announcements to make. Uh, first of all, Happy New Year. And um, yeah, we have. So we are going to be launching the Digital Marketing Podcast Awards. So we are constantly reviewing tools and mentioning the things that work for us. And lots of the tools we work with get lots of publicity through the podcast, and they're very pleased to get that publicity. But we thought we'd go out to our audience and say, what tools, websites, Twitter accounts, podcasts uh, are, are you kind of listening to? Are you following tools that you're using? And we want to hear about them. And we want to hear what the best tools are. Now, you can go to the website, uh, targetinternet.com forward slash awards. And you can go in there and you could submit your tool. You can submit a Twitter account or any number of different things that you think are great, are really helping you out as a digital marketer. Uh, when we've got those, we're going to then shortlist them and then we'll open the voting process. But at this stage, what we want you to do is go in there and submit the tools that you're using that you really love. Now, it may be that you own a company that has a tool. Feel free to submit that or that you use a tool on a day-by-day -day basis or something you've just picked up and you think is absolutely fantastic. But we want to hear about those. Uh, we'll get them all submitted and then we're going to launch up the voting page and we're going to let the audience vote for what the best tools actually are. The tools that get voted for are going to get loads of publicity off the back of this. So we'll be talking about them on podcast and various other places. But at this stage, get them in and uh, we can start voting on them. And it could be a tool that you've you know heard about through the podcast. It don't don't feel that we we need to have not heard about these tools before. Any any tool we really want to know what do you guys find really really useful? Like you know if you had to go to a digital marketing desert island and you were only able to to take a couple of tools with you, which would those tools be? I think that's a very sad idea that you'd go to a desert island and you would take digital marketing. <laughs> But anyway, that kind of defeats the point. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of my, once again, my my mixed analogy. No internet connection. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> now, on this desert island, there is. <laughs> Let's move swiftly on. So uh, New Year's resolutions. I, I wanted to do this. And these are kind of personal to some extent. But let's start with the podcast. We're going to make some changes. So we kind of went very religiously to doing one episode a week. And then from time to time, that does drift. And the reason that it drifts is just literally geographic location, which sounds rather ridiculous in a digital age. So I live on one island, uh, which is Jersey in the Channel Islands, and Kieran lives on another island, which is the Isle of Wight. And they're not actually that difficult to get between at all. Uh, but it takes a few hours, and because of my schedule and Kieran's schedule, we don't always manage to get together as much as we'd like to. So what we are doing is starting to record remotely. So just from a practical point of view, I'm plugged into Zoom or to Skype so I can listen to Kieran in my ears. But actually, I've got a professional mic and everything set up in front of me, and that's recording my audio. Kieran is doing the same at the other end. And what it means is we take the two audio tracks that we record separately, and then we combine those together to build the podcast. Now, that should mean that we can always get together on a weekly basis or every few weeks and record quite a few episodes. So it should mean there aren't as many gaps. And from a 
point of view of, uh, from us, every time we put an episode out, we get thousands and thousands of listeners. Uh, and obviously, we're missing out on those each time if we don't put an episode out. And the only negative reviews we ever seem to get are people saying... <laughs> I love this, but there's not enough of them, or they don't do them regularly enough, or I'd yeah. like this daily, or something like that. So, um, which is lovely. I mean, it's a fantastic situation to be in, but we're going to try and try a new bit of a technique. We have tried this before, but I think we've kind of mastered it a bit now. So, we're going to do that. The other thing that we've learnt is that when we do interview after interview, people don't like it. So, it's not that people don't like interview episodes, but they don't really like it if there's kind of three or four in a run. So, what we're going to try and do is the majority of episodes will be myself and Kieran talking about things, but we will bring in interviews, but we're really, really going to set the bar very, very high in terms of who we're interviewing. And we've done that a lot already, but we're going to really try and set the bar high. Um, and what we're going to try and do in some cases is add a bit of commentary to those interviews as well. So we'll get some input from people and then we're going to debate what they're saying. So we're going to change that format. So for those of you who aren't so keen on the interviews, uh, hopefully move away from those as much, although they still will be coming in intermittently. But please do tell us what you think. As normal, uh, targetinternet.com, go through to the contact section, drop us a message, and we will be very happy to hear from you in terms of what formats you prefer any content you want to hear or anything else so should we move into the the new year's resolutions yeah, proper? let's do now, it every year i debate this one and i've i've gone full circle on my opinion um which is email inbox zero <laughs> so now i know you've got a feeling about this as well and oh, I've it's, kinda, a, it's a it's an unattainable utopia well me. well now nah, see this is what i've realized this year I'd kind of taken the attitude that I am so busy and I've got so many things going on. Emails are coming in and I triage them on a pretty regular basis throughout the day, look for anything urgent. And then generally anything urgent, I will reply to there and then, or I'll go to my laptop at some point in the day if it needs a bit more detail and I'll reply there. But I realized the biggest stress in my life was my inbox in that it just kind of gave me this general anxiety when there was loads of stuff sitting in there, oh, what had I forgotten? What was I dealing with? And so on as well. Which I think is a feeling that, that, that most of us have a lot. Yeah. Of and yeah. I've, I went through the process of going, well, it doesn't matter. If someone emails me, they won't expect a response immediately because if they did, they'd phone me or message me or instant message me. And then I thought, no, oh, I don't really, you know, from a customer service point of view and from a, although I'm not always directly dealing with clients and we've got a team of people to do that, but I still kind of feel it's, you know, I should respond to people more quickly. Mm. So I've taken a bit of a process approach to this and I've learned from a number of different people and this is my approach. Now, there's there's a million different approaches. So first of all, SaneBox, uh, S-A-N-E Box. I've mentioned this a number of times. It basically takes the newsletters out of my inbox and puts them in a separate folder. It needs training because it can be a little bit aggressive of filtering stuff out. But what I found is that actually... It takes all of the newsletters out of my inbox. But the other side of that is I don't read any newsletters at all anymore. And I don't feel like I'm missing anything. <laughs> I think there's definitely a thought process in there for us who are sending out newsletters all the time. And how much value are we actually providing? Um, and we'll come back to the idea of personalization and newsletters in just a moment. Because Kieran's obviously got some opinions on this as well. So first of all, box is clearing stuff out. Then... I have my um, sorry but no automated response. So I get lots of requests. Could you do this? Could you speak at this? Could you just answer these questions? And I've spent about half a day 
troubling over and putting a lot of effort into an email that very politely says, I'd love to, and I know this is important to you at the moment, but I really don't have the capacity to do it. And if I did, something else is going to suffer. And I hate writing those emails. And I write about 20 of them a week. And I suddenly thought, rather than doing that every time, I'm going to write one. And I'm going to just use that as politely as possible when it feels like the right time to use it. So I'm going to save myself some time from email from that point of view. Um, now, this is slightly controversial, mm. but I think it's quite important in terms of spreading yourself too thin, which I'm generally guilty of, and trying to do a million things at once. And actually what's important versus what's urgent and just getting all these things coming with requests to do things and actually saying no to more things. Now, Tim Ferriss, if you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast and read his blog, he's an absolute expert in this stuff. And I'm sure he gets a thousand times more requests than I do. But it, it's definitely worth considering how you deal with those things and how you minimise the time that's involved in having to deal with them. So I'm curious, how are you, how are you calling up this masterpiece email that says no? So all I've done is I have got uh, a little tool, which I forget the name of, which we'll put into the show notes into uh, installed on my mac and then what happens if i hit the same key twice which is a very random key um it basically just inserts things okay so you can set it up that you literally just put two of this same kind of character in twice so you could put two hashtags in or something like that and it would automatically just insert a certain piece of text for you so you can come up with automated responses for things so for example this time of the year i find myself going happy new year i hope you had a fantastic break um about 50 or 60 times a day and I could just create something that would automatically just drop that into the beginning of my email every time I write an email, um, just by putting a couple of characters in. Not that I'm not interested if you had a nice break, but, you know, just writing the same thing again seems a bit pointless. So first of all, filtering out all the stuff that I don't really want and don't really read. Uh, next, going through and automating any kind of stuff that I can do. And then I have actually committed myself to email box zero. But what I'm doing is creating task lists. Now, this might seem completely <laughs> counterintuitive that what I'm doing is taking the emails and anything that needs any more than five minutes of action, I'm creating a quick task for, saying I need to do this, I need to do that. So most things I can kind of get rid of in a, a few little triages a day. Anything that needs tasks goes into a task list and then I am religiously going through every evening and planning tasks for the day ahead, which is obviously a very common kind of uh, productivity thing to do. Hmm. But by using those tool tools together, that has made me feel a lot less stressed because I know what's in my task list. I'm prioritizing it every day. I haven't got multiple lists because I haven't got emails everywhere. And it just means that email is being filtered a lot more easily. Mm. Now, I've been trying this out, actually, second half of December and into January, and it's working. I'm not sure how long that's going to continue because my self-discipline is often rubbish. But <laughs> but we'll we'll see how it progresses. So there's a number of little techniques that's making me a little bit happy. Now, you think zero inbox is a fool's errand. Well, only because, do you know what, thinking about this, so much of the email that I get is just tons and tons of round-robin emails that get sent out to thousands of people at a time. And and you do get, do you know, it's a bit like, do you think what it's a bit like? It's a bit like, you just get used to it, don't you? It's like, oh, yeah, I get the part of my routine now has become, right, delete, archive, delete, delete, delete. yeah, archive <laughs> loads of stuff that I don't actually need to look at. And it's just pointless. Well, it is, but it's that constant fear of missing out, isn't it? Or oh, what if some new announcement happens and I don't get to, to hear about it? But I think... See, my solution to that mm. is just to use Feedly. And I, I do my daily dip into Feedly. I just follow all the right blogs and, and news sources and just kind of dip into that when I want to. 
Yeah. So just just explain what Feedly is for those that haven't come across it before. So I've mentioned this a few times. It's basically a newsreader and there's an app for it as well. And you go into Feedly.com and you just search things you're interested in. But what I've done is create a category and that category is platforms. And what I mean by that is it is the Instagram blog, the Google blog, uh, the Google Webmasters blog, the Facebook blog. And it's where they make all their news announcements. And I can drop into the tool or the app anytime I want, scan through. I mean, literally just scroll up the screen real quick. And if anything stands out, then I'll, I'll take a quick read of it. And actually what I found is that's a much better way of staying up to date. And I miss stuff in email all the time because it's just too much and it's just random stuff. And I get these emails, you know, from people now pretending to have a conversation with me. So I was thinking the other day, what was the biggest problem with digital? And then I, and it's just like, why it's not personal if you're pretending to be personal. Yeah. And I, that really irritates me. And all it makes me think of is you're a get rich quick website it's, you know <laughs> buy my course and do this now and it's just like oh really and i'm i'm absolutely sick to the back teeth of those and i i'm avoiding them completely but i just don't want to go down that path the one i would say actually is a newsletter that has some value which is quite personal again is the tim ferris and it's that um the friday email he does and the friday email he does is literally four or five things that he's found interesting during the week and a lot of it's just random stuff, but it's brilliant and it's actually really engaging and interesting. And I think we need to take more of that approach or if we're going to do things like newsletters, they need to be personalised. And I mean, actually properly personalised. So we're working with a system. So if you come through to our website and you've done a load of courses on X, Y and Z and you scored badly, then it will recommend other stuff to you or you've shown an interest in this, it will recommend this. So I think that's the level of personalization we really need. Um, actually saying here is some stuff that will be valuable and we'll test that and see how that improves but i i don't know what other people think but i'm just not reading newsletters now i'm sure some people will and i'm sure some people are reading our newsletter hopefully but and i know they are from the click rates and everything else but i just think as the noise has got to this level we've got so far up we've been talking about this for years that it's just getting to the point i don't read anything well, so no, you, you, there's just too much stuff that's not important and, mm. it, and it gets bogged down i mean i been thinking about this like we all do at the beginning of the year and i realized that actually you know part of my routine is just going through and, and archiving stuff and the majority of it is absolute trash but i i think that we're not alone in this we know what we all do but we assume our customers aren't gonna gonna do it right. because they're our customers and we 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 kid ourselves and yeah. we are lying to ourselves we need to take a really pragmatic and straightforward approach to this if you look at you know, like MailChimp do some really interesting industry like open rate stats and click through mm. rate stats. You're even a really good email is only getting like maybe 30% open rate. Yep. At best I've seen is about 35, 38%. Uh, and that's for, a, you know, really quite targeted honed list with some really great content, you know, regularly published. So people actually look forward to it. So, so best practice says that like, 70 percent of people right. just don't open it and then and then your click-through rate's even lower so 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 you're not wrong you're not yeah you're definitely not wrong like it's it is a massively powerful channel and i think we all rely on it a lot but you know wake up and smell the coffee we've got some we've got some problems here it's not doesn't really work for the majority of of people you're sending out to now like direct mail some of it does stick right and so yeah. to a certain extent, it does it does work. But I think the more we can all do to to really up our game and really, I know I bang on about this all the time, but walk in the shoes of our customers and think, well, you know, what what could we do that's, that's maybe a bit different? It's maybe a bit more engaging. My advice on that is actually just look at your own behavior during the day in terms of how you deal with email and then ask four or five of your colleagues, 
how they manage email, what yeah. they do with newsletters, and like and just and just go, why did you open or click on that one? And I've learned a lot from this, just watching my own behaviour. Because as you say, we we follow this best practice stuff, but we don't really look at natural behaviours. Mm. And if I want to get an offer to you, I've got to look at why would you be interested in that? So I think, yeah, just actually usability, you know, very informal usability study. Just look at what your colleagues and your friends and your family are doing and how they deal with things and what they do and don't look at. And you get so much insight from that. Now, it's very easy to say, but actually doing it does really make a difference. So, yeah, take a look at that. So email box zero. That's my approach. I'll update you next month and tell you how it's all gone horribly wrong and I've got 10,000 emails <laughs> in my inbox and everyone's getting frustrated and annoyed with me. The other thing as well is that's funny is that when I have got really horribly behind, people just chase you. And that makes it worse, right? Because then you've got double number of emails. I, I guess that's true. But what I mean is they chase you if it's important. So actually, you didn't really miss anything the first time around. I'm not sure from a personal branding point of view, you know, Daniel's that guy that never answers his email is a great thing. I don't know how much we're really missing with all this stress. And it is very odd anxiety that's not really necessary. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very interested in this next story because this is something I've been pondering a lot as well. So tell us the story about social being social. And I'm going to debate with this with you because it's an interesting one. This is quite a personal story. But uh, yeah, Daniel's persuaded me to share this with you all. So and you've got to do it without swearing. <laughs> So good luck. Oh, if you'd only listened in to the pre-broadcast chat we had, yeah. my goodness, I was swearing like a trooper. So I'll, I'll avoid it. I will. I'm I'm busy getting my daughters out of the door for school one day. And my youngest, uh, Izzy, who's, who's nine years old, right? She's babbling away to me. And I'm like, yeah, 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 Izzy. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just get your coat on. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't really listening to what she <laughs> was saying at all. It's awful, isn't it? I'm a terrible parent. Now, you're just a normal parent because everyone in the mornings, it's a very frustrating, challenging business. It's hard, right? And they, they always become so chatty when it's like least appropriate and you've got loads of other things to do. But anyway, that's that's a different story. So she said to me, Daddy, do, do you want to own the whole world? And I, I really, honestly, I didn't listen. I just agreed. I went, yeah, Izzy, let's just get your coat on. Come on, we, we're, we're late. And then she turned to me and she went, Daddy, no one can own the whole world. The best any of us can hope to do is to change it. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And I blown away. Really blown away. And I was like, I I so wish I'd listened to what she said before. And like, I guess the lesson here is listen to children because sometimes they do say really amazing things. And this this really played on my mind. I was like, what what can I do with this? Because actually she's she's right. And I you know, it's a really lovely message for the new year. So kind of good that we're putting this in there. And I thought, well, I'll tweet it. Because, you know, I should share that with people. That, that that really, it got me thinking. It might help other people think. Now, so I did. I tweeted it out on my at Kieran IOW uh, account. And I got, I think I got eight eight likes, which is quite good for me. And I got a couple of comments. And one of the comments I just, I really didn't under understand. And I, I dug into it. Um, and it was basically, it was... Um, there's a guy saying to a, another Twitter account, which I'm not going to mention because I don't want to give them any publicity, but if you really want to dig it out, it's on my Twitter feed, um, saying, hey, are you really going to let this ride? And I thought, what? I didn't understand the context of it. So I dug into it and looked at, at what that account was. And it's, um, it's a guy who basically runs uh, That Never Happened Awards. And it's basically somebody saying, yeah, you, Kieran, you, you're full of rubbish. That, that never actually happened. You're just making it up for for like dramatic effect and it it really it really got to me actually because I, I was sort of opening myself out and sharing something quite quite deep and personal and I wasn't expecting that kind of response and you know this is somebody that's chosen to to follow me um and I, 
yeah it did it did but it, it's caused me to stop and think why well, why am i doing this why why do i feel obliged to to share stuff on social media uh, uh, that that's really personal to me now just before now, this is a huge pandora's box of, of challenges well, it, and issues it, here it is but just before christmas i was editing up a whole load of videos and we were doing some videos on social media and daniel you were talking to camera explaining that social media is essentially social and what it's got me thinking is well in a social context like if i think of a real world social context like going down the pub right i you don't mix with the entire world when you when you do that you you're with you know people that you know and people that you you trust and by the very nature platforms like twitter just aren't like that they're, they're much more open and much much more more public and you know what would i expect to do if i went down the pub and then in the middle of a busy pub started clanging my glass and going hello everybody everybody can i just have your attention please this morning when i was busy my daughter said this to me like i'm gonna get a lot of flack from all sorts of random strangers who just want to raise a laugh or you know call me out or or shoot me down and that's exactly what happens when you do it in a in a digital sphere. And I was I was shocked and a bit upset, but really thinking about it, I shouldn't have been. And it it actually got me thinking. Do you know what? Actually, for me as an individual, do I really need Twitter? Like, why am I doing this? I think there's there's some really interesting things in here. So first of all, if someone's following you, and they've chosen to then pass it to someone else for them to take the Mickey out of it, whatever it may be, their motivations are very interesting. Also, if someone's entire life is is based on... Now, you could look at this in two ways. If someone's there based on calling stories out, I can understand the humour in it and I can understand the getting rid of fake news type thing. Yeah. I can also think, do you know what? You're not really adding anything positive to the world. So I think there's a couple of things for that. We can, we can debate that, I guess. Trolling, which this isn't really trolling, but kind of touching on that. I get quite a lot of trolling. People are saying obnoxious things. And I go to a conference. I've got this guy that goes to almost every conference that I speak at... <laughs> And then just sits there, just just slating what I'm saying. And I think the amount of money he spent on tickets to get these conferences to listen to me and hate what I'm saying is quite incredible. So that's that's very conflicted, whatever's going on with that person. I tend to reply now, um, which is completely my opposite advice. I would normally say with trolls, just ignore them. Don't give them any energy and uh, you know leave them to their horrible little world. This guy I respond to and I have huge levels of fun with it now. So that's, that's another thing. But I think your point about social being social is really important. And... If I'm on Twitter, just work out why I'm on Twitter. Am I trying to prove how clever I am or how funny I am, how witty I am or how up to date I am? And a lot of it is ego. Um, I can see from a business point of view, you know, driving traffic, driving awareness, all those kind of things. There's huge opportunity there. But then just a minute, I've just conflicted myself because I've said, well, actually, we shouldn't be doing this stuff because it's not really social, but we're going to do it as a brand. And it comes back to exactly what we were saying about email, which is we don't really think about how we behave. Now, I, I still like Twitter and I get a lot from it, but I'm very careful about who I follow and I'm ruthless about unfollowing people. So I follow people that are providing value in terms of keeping me up to date with digital marketing. I don't want to hear about their politics. I, their opinions I'm very interested in, mm. but if it's political or anything else like that, that's not why I'm on Twitter and I'll just can it and I won't listen to those people anymore. So I think it's one of those channels that if you use it effectively – but otherwise, you're just opening yourself up to this huge level of noise. And actually, I've been the same on Facebook. I have been culling friends on Facebook, <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. And actually thinking, all these people have sent me friend requests. 
they're not really my friends, but actually, do you know what? They're really nice people. Mm. That, and I'm, I'm connecting to those people now. Yeah. And suddenly, my Facebook is a much nicer place. Right. So I, I'm, I'm being more aggressive in my stance in terms of who I follow and unfollow and who I connect to. And it is about being social, as you say. And I think we just need to business practice follow this and to say, you know, if I put out a tweet that says, here's a podcast, I think you'll find it valuable. That's fine if someone's followed me for that reason. If I then go, and I think this about Brexit, one way or the other, um, that's not what they followed me for. And I'm taking a liberty with their with their listening. So I think there's a couple of things like that. And actually just broadcasting constantly, not being personal, it needs to be personal. So yeah, I think there's a bit in email and in social we need to think about a bit more carefully. Yeah, I think I think this does translate into email as well. Because if you're just simply broadcasting out stuff all the time, and I do believe that email is a social right. channel. You, know, you can do all the things in email that you that you can do, and you you have all of your closest contacts there, and, and people that you work with, and you know everybody has that that connection. What's nice about email is you've got complete control over it. You you get to choose who gets to see what. That's right. And what I'd say with email as well is that actually the analogy I always use is all that an email service provider is there for is to help you to send more personalised emails to a large audience because in the real in reality, ideally, what you'd be doing is emailing every single one of your customers individually but or potential customers. But the reality is the scale of it makes it impossible. So therefore, an email service provider should be there to allow you to try and personalise at scale, not to broadcast at scale. Well, do you know what? I got a really interesting email from Wistia. Hmm. So Wistia, a, a video platform. I, I was playing around with their platform just before Christmas. We were looking for a, a way of sharing video and getting feedback on it. Uh, and their platform does that. I signed up for a free account. I got a really interesting email this morning from them, which was a, a video. Uh, and it said, uh, just thought I'd send you a video so you could see who was emailing me. And I'm like, ooh, who is emailing me? So I, I played the video. And, and sure enough, this lady was sat in front of the camera with a headset on. And she said, hey, Kieran, thanks so much for signing up for the account. And um, if you'd like to know more about us and, and what we do, you know, we'd love an opportunity to actually hook up with you. And I thought... Do you know, I'm not going to do it <laughs> because <laughs> this is great because I, because I well it, no it did because it stopped me. And well, I, I got the it. message. I got I got the message right. If I want to, and and what was quite nice at the end of their video, one of the things their platform enables you to do is to link to anything at the end of a video. So at the end of her video, it linked to her calendar, and I could book a slot in with time right. to 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 talk to her about what they offer. And I just thought actually this is very clever, and it's so definitely personalized because she was sat there you know saying my name yeah, right. she, albeit saying my name badly she <laughs> she didn't know how to spell who does it's spelled such a weird way um yeah i think she said hey kirian um kirian yeah kirian but okay. you know that doesn't matter the the effort was there and i i thought actually that's really really clever and do you know what i forwarded it on to um to to philip who does lots of email marketing you've had him in the podcast before um i'm interested to see what what he thinks of it all right, so talking about being personal, I'm going to make some personal comments now. It's been Christmas. We've all eaten too much. <laughs> Christmas tells me uh, that, well, for me and for Kieran, I've probably eaten a lot too much cheese, and I'm sure Kieran's the same. Oh, my insulting it. Yeah. Um, I'm on my, my annual fitness regime anyway, but um, we need to talk about slimming things down. <laughs> not, not just us as individuals, but our file sizes. This is a real bugbear. So uh, talk to us about slimming files down and particularly image files. I think this is really important. So it has come to my attention 
that a lot of websites are looking a little bit flabby in the uh, in the download sizes of each page. You're getting a little bit fat, a little bit portly. Dare I say a little bit of middle-aged spread creeping in there on a lot of people's web pages. And actually, because, you know, we're all used to much faster internet connections. You know, it's a long time since I used a dial-up connection. When I did, I used to take, like file size very very seriously and and actually because internet's got faster and faster i've kind of taken my eye off the ball on that a little bit as a market like how many of you have actually looked to see in your website how many images over one megabyte do you have because that is a big old image to download on a mobile network and actually when you start looking to your web page particularly if you've got an e-commerce page if your header graphic or, or main image for the product graphics are you know a few hundred k in size when you get to a category page and they all get pulled in as thumbnails chances are they're not resized thumbnails it's just pulling in the same image and before you know it you can have a you know a category page really important for your customers they want to be able to go in and browse what you've got that that page can easily swell to six seven eight twelve fifteen megabytes in size which is an enormous amount to download Yeah, and it's worth being aware that that has two impacts. One, even if you've got a fast internet connection, it's slowing things down. Google doesn't like it. Google doesn't like big, slow web pages, uh, and actually it can impact your search ranking. But actually, let's not forget that more and more of us are on mobile devices, and we haven't always got fast connections. Although we're always promised, you know, complete 4G, 5G coverage, those kind of things. The reality is it's not always there. And also, not everyone is in that position. So we do lots of work uh, for the Highlands and Islands Enterprise Council in Scotland. So we're up in the Highlands of Scotland. And lots of people's broadband is shared in a particular village and is really slow and is actually a little bit painful. So from that point of view, you know, you should always be thinking about your user that's going to have the worst experience because you still want them to be happy. And we're kind of forgetting about that a little bit as well. So you found a bit of a solution to this. Oh, actually, before I get to that, there is a thing I should add as well. There are some tools out there that will analyze your website and they will tell you what's slowing your website down. Yeah. So for, there's a brilliant one called GT Metrics with an X on the end. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes as normal. And it will analyze your website. And lots of the things it will come back with are quite technical fixes in terms of fixing the code in your pages and so on. And they are really valid. You should do those things. But you need a developer involved. Yeah. It's probably a bit of a slower fix to do. Some of them talk about caching your web pages, which means when <laughs> someone comes through, they're going to see an old version unless it's been updated. It, it's not always ideal. But actually, a really quick win and something that's probably a major part of the problem is this image size yeah. thing. Yeah. And they all have a section that says, you know, images. It'll be relating to the image image size, images on page and stuff. Um, I mean, the Google Speed Checker is very, very good. If you, if you look at um, Google Speed Check, uh, you can go along to the developer's website and just punch in any any web address. Uh, and I'd encourage you to do that. Like, you know, it's, it's really basic grassroots that any one of you can do like pop along to the key pages you know really matter for your business and just punch them into speed test or gt metrics and have a look and see what's slowing those pages down how many like big fat over bloated images that do you do you have you know you don't want that kind of you know muffin overhang creeping into <laughs> your web it's not a nice thing and that's how wow. you need to start looking I, at I, this yeah this is I, I they're not sitting in the studio of you this middle-aged is quite, spread yeah right yeah, <laughs> let's move quickly. Let's so, what tool on. have you been using? The, the tool, the tool to beat the the muffin overhang of of, of all tools. It's called Squoosh. That's S Q U O O S H dot A P P, and this is a free tool from Google, and I think it's awesome. It, it basically it it takes image compression to a whole new level, and they're making use of some kind of 
new models for for compressing the images one the one i particularly love is the moz jpeg and it was only really this tool was was launched um, sort of middle beginning to middle of of november uh, and the the moz jpeg i'd never come across it before until i saw it in, in this and it's it's a compression method that's been around for a while it, it it's a new and exciting way of compressing your jpeg images so you, you end up with a jpeg you know, much like any other, it's going to display and, and be used, you know, like all JPEGs can be across lots of different devices, lots of different different browsers all supporting that. It's kind of a mainstay of the web image format. But when I started running some of our own JPEGs, which we have traditionally always compressed using Photoshop, which I always thought was pretty good, you know, you did that whole export for web thing. When I started taking those images and compressing them within Squoosh, I was getting 80 to 90% smaller files. Wow. M- massive, massive. And what I particularly like about it, it, when you when you load up, you can drag any image in there, or you can upload it into, into Squoosh. Basically, you'll get a, a split screen and you can move the, the, the split on the screen to look at individual elements of, of the page or the image that you've uploaded to see how well it's compressing. So when, when you over-compress a, an image, particularly in JPEG, it's then... Starts to look a bit baggy and saggy around the edges. And kind of, I'm obsessed with kind of skin analogies here, aren't yeah, I? It's a bit disturbing. Yeah, yeah. So, so, looking really worried. The, the key thing is to understand the difference in a lossless and a lossy format. Oh, good point. So JPEG is generally a lossy format, meaning that w- the more you compress, the more quality you lose of the image. Whereas a lossless compression is supposed to give exactly the same image as yeah. much as possible, really, without losing any quality. Now, the advantage of the lossy formats is you can normally save more size, but you do pay for that. Whereas this new, and I'm looking at an image now, and the, the, the kind of JPEG, the new JPEG format is actually, I can't really tell the difference. So between the original and the non-compressed. So, and, and it looks great. So I think it's just worth taking a look at this as well. Um, we are also creating a bit of a user manual for this. Yeah. So there isn't a proper user manual. No, there isn't. I, well, I couldn't find one. So I've decided, I've got together with our writer, Pete, we've decided we're going to write one um, and put it out there. So we're going to go into a little bit more, uh, some of the methods in there and how, how to use it. it what, what is lovely is you can see the original image and what the compressed part looks like. It just makes it super easy to, to do. And there's a whole bunch of other um, compression options in there. You've got things like OptiPNG um, and a new format I'd not come across uh, called WebP, which is Google's um, kind of new open source image format for, for, for the modern web. And, and they're certainly claiming that they're typically seeing up to 30% higher compression rates on, on equivalent images. With with no additional loss in quality. So if you compare a, a WebP to a to a JPEG, for example, typically like thirty percent smaller, which is which is great. However, the only fly in the ointment is not all browsers are yet supporting the WebP format. But you can build it into your code, so it's backwards compatible. So it's Absolutely. perfectly possible to use them. Absolutely. And also, we should say it is both a lossy and a lossless format. You can choose when you're compressing yeah. what you want. So yeah. You've got lots of options in there as well. You'll always get better compression on a, a lossy format. So there are our New Year's resolutions for the beginning of 2019. Uh, we'd love to hear yours. We'd love to hear your opinion about email and social as normally targetinternet.com. And also don't forget the Digital Marketing Podcast Awards at targetinternet.com forward slash awards where you can enter any of those tools that you're using and you love and uh, we'll put them into the voting system. So thank you for listening and we'll speak to you again on the Digital Marketing Podcast.
Thanks very much for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast. If you want to continue your learning in digital marketing, get over to targetinternet.com and sign up for the free trial of our digital marketing e-learning platform. There's over 140 bite-sized courses for you to try and lots of other learning resources as well. So get on there and sign up for the free trial.